Am I supposed to be able to hear out of these? Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't to watch the last one. <laughs> I told you you turned them off. I don't know what I do. She I, did say that, to be fair. Oh, hey, she did. She did. Oh, there's voices. This she did. Me. Oh, that's good. So before, Hi, before we start, like, is everybody, are you good? Yes. You can hear yourself. Yes. You're good? Yes. Relatively yes. speaking, I am good. Can you hear yourself? Like, yeah. You don't sound like you're out in the bag because you're eight feet away from the microphone. Nope. I sound fine from here. <laughs> How do they? Yeah. John's no, apparently no. going to oh. Okay. So usually these microphones are pretty, pretty sensitive, so we came pretty close. So... <laughs> See, you guys all have them further away. Cartman said I have to be good and not use bad language. So, I mean, it, it happens. <laughs> loud and baseline. It happens. All right, Anita, ready? Go. Go. Welcome to Bay Floor Discussion. So my name is Anita Chadborn Field. I've been in EMS for about 26 years and cross trained to the fire service in. I think it was 2007. Uh, my name is Morgan Gregoire. I have been an EMT and a emergency dispatcher for about 10 years now. Uh, multiple different agencies currently dispatching Falmouth and Yarmouth. My name is Michelle Gregoire. Uh, I've been an EMS for 20 years. Uh, Josette DeChambeau, I think it's been five years that I've been doing EMT things, search and rescue, and God bless them, they still let me hold the stop sign for fire trucks. Didn't we introduce you last time? Yeah. Oh, perfect. See, we're done. <laughs> well done, everyone. Uh, thanks for coming in, starting another round. Uh, boy, have we done one since the holidays? Uh, no. No. Right. no. So, most of us were dying a... from COVID. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, we were supposed fine. to do, we were do supposed to do the yet? Christmas edition with what? Cartman dressing up. Do you have up. a smell yet? Taste? Uh, I have taste. I don't have smell. Yeah. Oh. I know we did. Which I found out in a weird way because, like, I didn't realize I didn't have a smell. And somebody's like, oh, well, this is a bourbon. It smells like a smoked bourbon. I was like, that's not alcohol. They're like, no, it is. So I grabbed it and I was like, I was like, that's not alcohol. They're like, are you high? I was like, that's not alcohol. So I was like, holy shit. I was like, I just, oops. I was like, I, was like, I lost my smell and I had no idea. That's awesome. I like that their first thing was, are you high? Not, yeah. do you have COVID? <laughs> you oh, have no, we, good friends. We already knew we had COVID. That was, that ah. was a given. Yeah. That, that was, was already diagnosed. Moment. So now's your prime opportunity to transport a GI bleed. Ooh. True. There you go. Well, the the problem, I, so I went to Gretchen because we have to do our fit testing, including for N95. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you better have the taste stuff. She's like, why? I was like, because half your department's not going to be able to smell anything. So... <laughs> Oh, whoops. That and any propane. I'm just going to have to walk in and just light a match and see what happens. I'm not going to be able to smell it. So walk in with a torch and yeah. see what happens. Note to self, don't go in with him. Right. Exactly. Stand far, far away. Oh. So I hope it, everyone had uh, good holidays. We're finally getting into winter, winter. It's mm -hmm. cold as hell outside. So uh, it was negative 22 on the ski hill yesterday. Yeah, it, it's cold. Super fun. It was negative 12 at our house this morning when we left. Oh. Yeah. My watch told me it was negative zero. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Negative <laughs> zero. Yep. All right. That's a new that's, one. Yeah, I figured that's a whole new level. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How does that That's work? like time warp know. kind of a I thing. I was trying to figure it out. I took a picture just because. I can't blame you. I would too. <laughs> we uh, went to a house with burst pipes yesterday uh, that had their heat on and everything. So Jeez. it's that cold. Um, it's, 
it's the time of year where you start to need to check up on your neighbors and people around because mm. you know there's a there's a lot that can happen in a very short period of time mm-hmm. if it's that cold out. But um, anyways, moving forward, um, ladies, you have things you want to talk about? Anything specific? Do we have anything that needs to be covered as far as training or typical PSAs to start off? Uh, yeah, so we can do a quick PSA on the temperatures. Um, I had some questions this week as to why we didn't open a warming shelter. Uh, we have guidelines that we use uh, when we open a shelter and uh, when we should, you know, start to contact the other, you know, your other neighbors, your friends, keep an eye on people, other agencies, what, you know, we keep an eye on what they're doing and we watch the weather. Um, you know, an eight to 12 hour period of really cold temperatures is inconvenient, but it's not, not survivable. So, um, that being said though, if anybody needs something, um, don't be afraid to, to reach out to the town or the department or, or your, your town's agencies to see if they can help you out at all. So that's, uh, just a quick, quick shot on that. Hey, Brian, how was, uh, your kickoff of your new website? It went oh, well. Yeah. It went well. Um, so we just, uh, last week we finished up the civic ready portion, which is the emergency notification side of things. Um, so we're getting that set up. You can go onto the town website, uh, cascomain.org and you can sign up for alerts and that, that kind of stuff. So, um, it's, it's still, it's going to take us probably three to four months till we're really up and running real well. So, um, but you can, you can sign up for news updates, town documents, uh, notifications, that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <clears throat> we have our first, uh, big storm coming up in the mm. next couple of days. First time we might actually get like a decent measurable amount of snow so uh, be careful with that when you're out um, shoveling plowing whatever again it's real cold you can get yourself in trouble real quick if you aren't paying attention Uh, make sure when you plow that you don't bury your uh, identifiers you know your mailbox anything with numbers on it we had a call last night that took us a few extra minutes because we couldn't find a number on the house make sure your numbers stay clear even when you know, you get snow buildup and ice and all that other stuff. Just pay attention in general. So. Sounds good. Sounds good. Right? There. We got that stuff out of the way, the important things. Right? <laughs> oh. Ouch. Oh, wow. man. That sounds bad. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. We're all along okay, for the ride. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, we uh, talked about it last time. Have you ladies on in... Uh, we were talking before the show, a lot of what we want to talk about is a lot of what we talked about last week, but get some more uh, perspectives from it and uh, get some more input. So, take yeah. it away. I want to know, because I'm just curious in general, but like, how did you ladies get into all of this? What got you started? What's, what was the impetus? Um, we kind of talked about it last time where um, you had not grown up in... A firefighting family correct, correct? Yeah. so yeah. it was interesting for him coming in and he kind of talked about you know he he knew people within the fire department but never really thought oh this is a thing i could do because he thought you just grew up in it my dad has been a firefighter and a fire protection engineer my entire life extended family members are firefighters things like that i still didn't think that i wanted to get into the fire side of it until i kind of roundabout 
roundaboutly, there we go, words, uh, got into it because I, I started off. it for a second. <laughs> roundaboutly. I mean, I what lived close to it for six <laughs> years. It's fine. Uh, so I was just in Alaska for six years. I got into all of this stuff because I started off in search and rescue because I was a backpacking and rafting guide. So they said, oh, you can hike up a trail, which is not true. I'm really bad at hiking. Whoops. Um, but because of search and rescue, then I got to EMS because I was a wilderness EMT, yada, yada, stuff like that. And then kind of bled over into the fire side. Now mm-hmm. that my dad's a training officer at Freiburg Fire, I have literally no choice. <laughs> I will be there whether I want to be or not, <laughs> holding the stop sign. Um, but yeah, I've heard I've heard different stories of you know either family or um, one of the girls who was also on the fire department or volunteered for the fire department up in Alaska said I just walked by and I saw that there was a female EMS lieutenant and I was intrigued so I stopped in to talk to her and she inspired me to start volunteering because I didn't think it was just never a thing that crossed her mind subconsciously she went oh this is just a dude's thing like they're the ones who are the firefighters. Until she met our EMS lieutenant, had no idea, started volunteering. So, somebody else, please freaking talk. <laughs> Why? You were doing a great job. Yes. Just yes. smiling and I'm about nodding. I'm to go into a coughing fit if I don't I was going to say, did you breathe in that? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Breathing is for the I wind. can't go first before you. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, my father was in the volunteer fire service in the town that I lived in when I was younger. And they were just part of my life. And I'm the first one in my family to be EMS. Mm. Um, Just had friends that were doing it, got intrigued. So did you start on the fire side or did you go straight into EMS and haven't done a whole lot? It was more in EMS, but I did go into fire because of where I was at the period of time where they required us to also be a firefighter to work on the rescue. So I got to crawl around and climb on big ladders and (laughs) clutch the roof at 38 years old going, what in God's name am I doing up here? (laughs) This is for the young people. Sounds like Ed. Ed's young and he still clutches the roof. Well, again, that's, I mean, I fall down, I hurt. They fall down, they bounce back up, they're happy, they're ready to go again. They want to kick doors and everything. Hey, you know, I'm good with a pump table. I'm, you know, outside. I'm good. If I have to, I would, but mm, I'll have to leave that for the young ones. They're quite agile. So. Very valid. Yeah, I tend to let the uh, 20-somethings go bull and thrash and destroy things. Have fun with that. Okay, stand back and watch. <laughs> I'll be here with my ambulance when you hurt yourself. Their knees and their lower back works properly. Exactly. I've had the lumbar surgery. I'm good. It's like mowing. I swear to God, you purposely find the smallest area. John, you're about five feet away from me. Yeah, what are you doing? <sighs> mowing, we just purposely find the smallest area. Remember the chimney fire up there? The two tallest people in the department, Josh Howe and I, were over six feet. He's like, oh, go clean out the chimney um, thing. It was in a crawl space like that big. I didn't realize how... Uh, claustrophobic I was until I got there. And I'm like, no, fuck this. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Morgan, you're up. (laughs) Um, Well, obviously, for those of you that don't know, this is my mom. So, of course, I watched her growing up um, being an EMT and doing that job, and I hung around the station with her, stuff like that. Um, I originally 
wanted to become a game warden before they made a show and everybody wanted to do it. <laughs> uh, then I realized there's 15 million people that want to do this now. I need to find something else. Mm. So while I was at school at Southern Maine Community College, they had a program for dispatchers. Um, I ended up taking that and decided, well, there's an opening at Buxton. Let's try. So I put in for it and they accepted me as a part-timer. I ended up becoming a full-timer. And while I was doing that, I went for my EMT at Southern Maine Community College. And then I ended up progressing from Buxton to a bigger department and a bigger department. And it's kind of where I am now. I've kind of backed off the EMS side of things, but dispatch takes up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does. Plus you kind of get all sides. You get to, since we dispatch two police departments and two fire and EMS departments. Mm. So you kind of get all of that in a sense. Yeah. Although sometimes you're stuck sitting there looking at four walls and everybody else gets to go do stuff. So I was going to say that, that part I could see getting real frustrating real fast. Some days, some days I'm like, I just want to go. Can I go please? <laughs> and, then other days, room. and then other days when it's like this outside, I'm like, yeah, you go have fun. I'm good. I'm going to yeah. sit right here. Yeah. I'm going to stay where it's warm in my comfy chair. Yeah. Pretty much. With a little space heater down by your feet. Oh, no. We can't do that. Copy. Somebody accidentally blew a breaker with one of those. We're not allowed to have those anymore. Oh. That was and the other thing I wanted to bring up when we were talking about weather. Space oh, heaters. Yeah. Space heaters. That's been a, oh, a hot topic. It's a terrible pun. <laughs> <laughs> space heaters will burn. Oh, I hate that. I love it. Yeah. I don't really think we need to jump too far into that but there was a major fire caused by a uh, a space heater apparently and that's something that people need to be aware of between carbon monoxide poisoning with uh, kerosene heaters uh, diesel heaters anything like that and then you have your electric heaters that make sure they're wired properly and plugged in properly no power strips no power strips it's correct directly to an outlet yeah and if you're tripping a breaker there's a reason for it stop resetting it exactly didn't mean to interject there. It's just that, that thought was in my head earlier, and then Might I lost it. Might as well get it, it out while it's yeah. there. Funny. Exactly. If I didn't say it right now, Gra- we didn't get Grab onto all the little things. Hey, right. We usually down. take yeah. out these pieces of paper and write notes on them, but I think the last three shows we haven't written anything down, so we just stopped. And then, of course, today I had that thought. And hey, I, I worked night <laughs> shift for 10 years. It's that whole, ooh, squirrel, and you just keep going. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm used to it. We're good. Yeah. For me, it's a raccoon. I like shiny things. Oh, oh, wait till after this. Oh, I like that better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait till you get your birthday gift birthday's on Monday. Oh, <laughs> we oh. have a gift in the car. Uh-oh. And it may be raccoon-themed. Yes. Well, what people don't know is they call my cats raccoons because they're both big, fat, tabby cat, um, tiger cats that, well, they're like 20 pounds a piece. They kind of look like raccoons. Well, you're two equal yeah, mine, so we're fine. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Ours is orange and 35 pounds. There we go. See? Yeah, they're cats the size of a small dog. <laughs> you but haven't seen him in a while. I have not seen him in a while. He's a little bit fluffier. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the attitude's a bit worse. Mm, you know. Sounds like a couple people I know in my family, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I guess it's my turn. It is. Yeah. yeah, so... We've already talked about how you got into it, but you can talk about it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think Eric's us told us like three or four times. Yeah. <laughs> So, for those of you that haven't heard Eric, um, I grew up in a fire station. My dad served down on a call company in Mass for about, well, 
officially 48 years, but they're a little weird because they don't count when you're a junior. It would be 50 if they counted when you were a junior. Oh. Um, and the way the rules are down there, they forced him to retire before he was really ready. He was kind of a little bit like, he's settled down now, but he was a little bit like an old fire horse for a while. Oh, boy. It was kind of, it was kind of hard. <laughs> Well, I was gonna say, that, I don't awesome. feel like that would go over very well, telling somebody who's been super active and still feels super active. No, yeah. you're done. No, that's go just hang how out. the law down in Mass works. You turn 65 and hasta la vista, you have no value. That's so dumb. Which is ridiculous because there's a lot of things that you can do that's not interior. Right. Yeah. Half oh. of our drivers in Freiburg are well over that age. Yes, <laughs> I've, the, I've met a lot of the Freiburg. They're valuable. Yes. They're valuable. <laughs> Incredibly valuable. Yes. Those they know those trucks inside and out. Absolutely, you know? they know all the different buildings. They know everybody who lives there, so they can tell you, you know, oh, there's going to be four people living in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, check out back because you know mm-hmm. they've they've had this issue before with the electrical outback. They know that town inside and out. Yeah. So what if they're 68? Doesn't matter. They can exactly. still drive. No, exactly. Well, not even just that. We have a whole fire police division that they're specifically just traffic control. There we go. Exactly. Yeah. And now they know the better diversions, too, for, like, I don't know half the back roads around Freiburg. I haven't been here that long. They can tell you, oh, yeah, go turn around, go up here, go around here, yada, 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 yada. Yeah, except They're the problem super. is it's turn left at Billy's house, right. and there's that place, that fire that happened yeah. like 10 years ago, right past that. 20 years right. ago, there was an apple tree over here. You're yeah. not going to see that anymore, but the fence is still there. You're going to want to okay. turn left, but you're going to turn right there. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Go straight at the pine tree that got hit by lightning 40 years oh, ago. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My we have people favorites. in my town that can still navigate that way. But in well, all everybody fairness. Everybody attempts to. I can navigate. I started dispatching in Buxton. Come on now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to admit, I, na- I can navigate by what call was in what house. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. So I've been there before because that was a cardiac arrest. And, you know, yep. I've, I've been here because that lady unfortunately fell down the stairs and broke her ankle three years ago or whatever. <laughs> That's, That's why worst. we liked having you on when the When my wife and I were trying to buy a house. She's like, oh, what about this one? I was like, no, there's a reason there's a throw rug there. We're not buying that house. Oh literally, that house. I was like, there was so much blood. I was like, nope. And then there was one on 85. She's like, what about this house? I was like, nope. <laughs> like, there's a skeleton in the closet. We're not allowed to talk about it. Do you like hauntings? That's how you get hauntings. Oh, it's actually funny you say that because there was a house that was for sale in my town, and one of my coworkers really liked it and was like all excited showing me pictures. She's like, what do you think? I'm like, um, it's a nice house. She's like, wait, no. What do you know about this place that you're not telling me? Like, we won't talk about the cardiac arrest on Christmas Eve in the living room. Oh. Right. She was like, oh, now I can't buy this house. I'm like, that's why I wasn't telling you. You made me. Right. <laughs> don't ask questions you don't want the answers exactly. to. <laughs> not everybody gets that concept. Uh, Some people get hurt feelings. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. We so got sidetracked a little. For those of you that, uh, well, it seems like almost everyone at this point came into it from like a fire family, a fire background. How did you progress? So, like, I started in Casco. I walked through the door with zero experience, no idea what I was walking into really. I jumped now on you're trucks. Trapped. A door. I, I <laughs> jumped on trucks because I lived basically across the street from the station. I made a handful of calls. They said, "Hey, you're committed enough." take this one and two class, went to the one and two class, 
few years later, like there's an EMS class. So all these things were really offered to me. And it's, it's incredible that people go a different way to me. So like people will go out and get their one and two through SMCC or EMS through SMCC and then find a fire department. So it's been nice to me because I grew along with my department, I feel like, mm. and my experience level. Instead of, I feel like if I went and got my fire one and two and then came to a department, I'd be so lost. It, I mean, sim similar to how it was with EMS because I didn't exactly jump EMS calls until I had my EMS license. So it's like you get all this information and you can pass the tests and then you actually go out and do something and go, this is completely different, you know? Mm. So uh, it's the same on the fire side of things. I feel like I had a huge step up because I had already been to fire calls. I had seen how the incident command system worked. I had seen you know, trucks pumping water, trucks uh, moving water, people doing different things on different fire scenes, even car accidents. I wouldn't know the things I know about the fire department without just really walking into it and, you know, jumping on the truck and being there and observing. So for those of you that, uh, I, I kind of tossed like three different questions in there, but where you started from a fire family, did you have that same transition? Did you just go in and kind of be there because that's where your family was and then they allowed you to go further? Or did you just use the, the fact that you grew up with it to go this is what I want to learn to do and then find a department based on that. So for me, yes and no. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't do anything fire EMS SAR related until I moved out and away 2000 miles. It had always been a thing like dad ran off to fire calls growing up, blah, 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 whatever. That's fine. Um, I, I had kind of toyed around with the idea of volunteering in Colorado where they were still based at the time. But I didn't do anything. Went up to Alaska. I had been a wilderness guide previously. Moved up there to be a guide again. And from there, I was kind of offered, like, hey, we need more help for search and rescue calls. Especially they had a bunch of them that year. Uh, because you're already hiking. Because you can do water-based rescue. You've had these certifications for your job already. Do you want to start helping out? And I went, yeah, sure, okay. So I kind of got into it that way. Again, didn't really do anything with the fire side because they're there were no fire calls up there, which is great. It's too tiny of a town to really have a lot happen. And it's all wooden buildings from freaking 1860 something. So if one thing goes up, the entire town's going up. Um, but when I came back here and started visiting and kind of was spending winters here, it made it easier to transition into like Freiburg Fire because dad was already there. And then Caleb started off as a junior, so he was starting to go to call. So it was easier because I had that impetus of, you know, oh, they're literally running out the door. All I have to do is put my boots on and I can follow them. And yeah, if we're just going to stand there, we can just stand there. But now at least I can learn things. So I'm still on the baby side of things. I do not have my fire one and two yet. Um, I'm a, somehow going to achieve that within the next year, apparently, which... <laughs> I don't know. I've been told that I'm going to. <laughs> Not Thanks, Dad. There's a will, there's a will. Not exactly. <laughs> Dad has plans for her. <laughs> My father has so many plans for me that I'm going, I'm sorry, you want me to do what? How many classes? Okay, cool. Uh, 
which I'm excited about now. I want to get into it. I want to learn. I jumped into a couple different training things, and I've loved the trainings, but I, it's been, it was a different transition to get into fire things, and it was, I don't think without the family aspect, I don't know if I would have gotten into fire things. Like, I certainly wouldn't be getting fire one and two if it weren't for the family. So the other departments that you've worked for, have they uh, encouraged progression at all? Have they offered you that opportunity to go to fire one and two before, and you just weren't <laughs> ready for it, weren't interested in it, or did you, or did they just basically say, you know, you're, you're good enough where you are, thanks for your help, but stay there <laughs> also yes and no yeah. so this right. was it's fine they're three thousand miles away it doesn't matter um, <laughs> if they table, listen huh? to this great actually the, the interim chief i think did and listen to this which show. is even better so very very rural town in alaska we had one road in and out you had to go through canada to get to the next alaskan town everything else was ferry or fly in very very small um, crazy concept. The town is very political because it's the same freaking 600 people who live there year round, but then you have 2000 people who come in every summer as seasonal workers. Super fun. Um, <laughs> Sounds so like some towns around here. Exactly. Mm. It was, it was a very easy transition for me to come over here. We'll say that. <laughs> so when I got up there, obviously I was a seasonal person, um, or started off as a seasonal person. So I showed up in April, started volunteering, I think in June or something like that. And we had a decent amount of volunteers there. They were just transitioning from a volunteer chief to a full-time paid chief. Um, so my first year was the last year of volunteer chief. When they switched things around, I took off a summer and didn't go back up there. That's when they switched to a uh, full-time paid chief, and they had three or four full-time admin people who also then became the default responders. Everything else was volunteer-based. Um, at that point, we the, the chief at the time was not exactly encouraging volunteers to progress whatsoever. In his mind, he was just focusing on the full-time people, what they could do. But even then, there was a lot of politics involved and a lot of um, who was in the, the favorites club, shall we say. So we were really pushing for the EMS side. We did a lot because the EMS uh, lieutenant director, I don't remember what she was. Uh, that woman was really, really good, really pushed training, was always on top of, we would do... Um, Every Monday was either, you know, sorry, EMS, fire, and you just rotate through. So her EMS trainings were fantastic. She sent us out to trainings. We went down to Sitka. There were ones in Juneau. We went across um, the canal at Haynes. Did all these things. Awesome. If you brought up anything with fire, you were just kind of basically patted on the head and told, eh, well, we'll look into that. Absolutely. So I asked a couple different times, you know, hey, is there anything I can do? Can we do an online thing? You know, if we, if we get enough people who are interested, I will go comb through the town. How do we make this happen? I realize that it's a remote place. I realize that it's difficult to get the resources up here, blah, 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 blah. But there's also, because it's Alaska, there were a certain amount of things that you could do and get checked off on without having to go through fire one and fire two and basically like function as an interior firefighter. Like the old modules they used to do. Yeah, yeah, when you were talking about that, that kind of rang a bell. Uh, so we, we tried a couple different times, several of us tried, and we were told, no, that chief is no longer the chief there. 
The interim chief is the EMS director, who is awesome and red, and really, really pushing for more trainings. So it stunk to to leave Alaska right when she transitioned into that role. And I think I know that she applied. I think a couple other people applied for the the chief position. I don't know if they've actually hired into it yet, but I've already seen so many more posts about them doing trainings and running like running pump panels, doing all these things. I think they may have brought in an kind of an emergency hire fire medic or two, something like that. So there now there's a push to get more training, but that was a hard. I get it because for a lot of us, it was seasonal people. So there's only so much you can do in a summer with people coming back. Yeah. 10 years in a row. But if you're only around for six months out of the year, how much can you train them? Right. And how much do you want to invest in somebody that's only going to be there six months? Uh, I will say when I got to Freiburg, I think I've been offered more opportunities for training in the last, I don't know, cumulative year that I've like really been around and doing things than in the four years I was in Alaska. So what about you guys on the EMS side of things? Um, After I grew up in my household, that's where... The tone would go out, my father and my brothers would go and come back. But as I grew up, um, I got married, had a child, and we bought a home in Goodwin's Mills. So when we were established there, that's when I went to the fire department and said, okay, I'm going to give back to my community, just like my family did. And they let me start riding on the ambulance in that way, you know, and helping out and carrying things and stuff like that. And then they put me into an EMS class. And they would teach, like, they'd have, like you said, different modules and stuff like that where they teach pump training and different things where you could go. Even though if you were on the EMS side, they encouraged you to be on both sides and learn both things. You know, learn where the equipment was in, in, in the trucks and everything else like that. Um, I also worked for a private ambulance service and got in it that way also. So I, I did both. So yours was still the the department kind of... Yeah, the department. It. Yes. Okay. But uh, that's you, how I got it. Yours in. sounds like you, was, you were more in school. You yeah. went for it and then... <laughs> so mine was kind of wonky. In technicality, I took the EMT class twice. Because oh. I was 10 and I was bored and I didn't want to go to summer camp. So I went to EMT class with mom. Nice. So I was the... That is awesome. ...test dummy <laughs> for everything. They strapped me to backboards, kids. Wow. I was wheeled around on stretchers, everything, because I didn't want to go to summer camp. That sounds familiar. <laughs> I used to be the test dummy down in Mass, too, because I wanted to go, and that's what I got to do. Well, I begged them Keds. to let me take the test. That's dating they... yourself. Hmm? Keds. Yeah, well, you know, I could say mask trousers, too. I but say, yeah. oh. I love those. <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, it happened oh, again. Oh, you broke it. Oh, oh, geez. Oh, dear. Now I fixed it. <laughs> Thank God someone can. So I tried to take the test at 10, but they told me no. So, um, yes, very determined at 10, I was. she wanted to be an EMT. So I ended up, uh, very roundabout. I went to university of man, Fort Kent for pre-veterinarian studies. That went a little sideways when we found out I was allergic to bleach. Oh yeah. Slightly slows that down a bit. So I came back down here, decided I wanted to be a game warden. And again, TV show, everybody wanted to do it. I went, okay, we're going to rethink for a second time. Um, I was already there and they were starting up the basic EMT class for the next semester. 
So I ended up signing up for that and signing up for the dispatch course at the same time. And I took the accelerated basic class through SMCC and finished that out in a summer. And then um, I started in in one of the departments that mom was on um, because it was an easier transition. Uh, they did kind of want me to start going into the fireside, but the hard part is, is I'm now a full-time dispatcher. Right. And that's not where I was working at the time. It wasn't a consistent schedule. It was, you worked five days, you had two days off, but it shifts one day each week. So you can't go, oh, I can do classes on Saturday because I don't know what Saturday I'm actually going to not work. So I did some, I did pump training. I did stuff like that. Um, I was the EMT for her fire class. But I missed that last hour of the class every time, so I couldn't actually do the fire training. Then it started progressing into a lot of the services require both. So I started phasing out because they don't want just an EMT. And that's actually how I ended up on the fire side is I started originally, well, going way back, I did support stuff back down in Mass when I was over 18 and old enough. Just strictly, mostly basic being a house mouse, basically, when there was stuff going on. Um, and got sucked into EMS up here. I moved up here to go to school. And a friend of mine was on the town rescue. And he said, hey, you're going to school for nursing. Why don't you come join rescue? At least come to a meeting. And, uh, well, here I sit. <laughs> and they got you. They got me hardcore. Um, so I actually joined in October of 96 and didn't actually take my basic class until January of 97, got licensed in July of 97. Um, and I worked as a basic for a while. Like, and originally I was that kid that hit every call. Now I like to roll over and go, I don't want to get up. <laughs> but, you I think know. that's valid. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I was a basic for a while and then life took a side turn on me that I wasn't expecting and the chief at the time sat me down and said you need something else to think about have you thought about becoming an intermediate now in advanced but at the time it was called intermediate um and I did agree with her I needed something else to focus on so I did it and rescue paid for it and um I actually met a couple of people in that class that I now work with at my other job which is quite hilarious but <laughs> Small world. It is a very small world sometimes. Um, so I did that for a while, and then I got to the point where, as an intermediate, because of my other job, I knew what somebody needed, but my hands were tied. If I was a oh. medic, I could have done it. But as an intermediate, I was like, ah, the state of Maine says I can't do that for you, sorry. And it was very frustrating, which is how I ended up going to medic school. It drove me crazy. I was going to say, I, I cannot imagine, because that's been a little funky doing rescue on the main side, but then working in New Hampshire, working in a hospital, which is also different because you can, you know, yeah. do more things under the, the doctor's license than I could just do as an EMT. But still, like, watching people who, you know, they run on trucks in New Hampshire versus run on trucks in Maine, and it literally just depends on which truck they roll in with, what they can do as an advanced, which is oh, yeah. very strange to me. Yeah, it is. I, yeah. It is. Um, I had one particular call that involved flash pulmonary edema, and I knew exactly what this person needed, and I couldn't do it. I had to call for help. Oh. And that was the call that shoved me into medic school. <laughs> that makes sense. I had already been tossing it around, and that one call just 
middle of the night on 302 shoved me into medic school. Oh, man. But that's part of what it's hard in the aspect of being in dispatch is we're limited in instructions that we can give. So some dispatchers are oh. emergency medical dispatcher trained. Okay. Those are your dispatcher you're going to talk to. They're going to say, okay, I need you to do this. I need you to put them on the floor. This is how we're going to do CPR, right. that sort of thing. I have done that. I have been EMD trained and okay. certified. Um, my current center, um, we have another agency that does the emergency medical dispatching for us. Oh. They call us, tell us where our call is, what the call is, and we tone them out. Huh. So when I was... So it's a PSAP versus a local agency. Okay. Well, yeah. No, technically we are a PSAP because we dispatch from more than one agency. But we're not an EMD PSAP. So that's right. a little bit of a difference on it. Um, the problem being is when you're the EMD dispatcher, but you're also the EMT, you know something beyond what those instructions on that paper are telling you, mm -hmm. but you can't say it. Oof. So you're like, and you've got to walk that fine line of, do I say it and give them a better instruction or do I not say it because I have to go by what this card says? Go mm. by what the card says. It's very hard, but <laughs> yes, you have to is, do that. That is a national and international standard. So Right, but it's that EMT and you're going, I want to fix it and I can't fix it because I can't get hands-on. Mm. So it's a very hard line to sit there and watch when you're giving instructions and you have to say what's on the card, but the card leaves something out to you. Oof. Yeah. So you've had an interesting uh, transition because of the medical side of it as well. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of brought it up, but how much did the medical side of it push the progression in your, your fire and EMS side of it? Um, because you, you've gone pretty far in both directions <laughs> where, where one, mo most people pick one and go with that. Oh yeah. Some people, yeah. people tell me that, oh, you have different hats. No, it's different boots. Oh. <laughs> I'm either wearing duty boots or sneakers, depending on the day. Boots, I don't know. I've boots. seen you respond to calls in high heels. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm out. It's, it's different shoes, Anita. Fine, different shoes. I've seen you drop in the airway in a cardiac arrest wearing heels. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to talk about outfits that we've all shown up on calls in. I've also. Well, I was so confused. Yeah. Like, Anita's like, what do you need? And I'm like pushing drugs. Eric's doing compressions. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, get the airway. And I'm doing stuff. Like, I think it was pulling Epi. And I looked over and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, I literally, I stopped for a second, and I was like, I, okay, I guess, all right, let's He's go like, back to work. holy crap, Anita's a girl. <laughs> wow, what the What heck? are those things on your feet? And then the other one, you showed up in your <laughs> running minute, skirt, you makeup? and I'm just like, okay. Oh, yeah, that yeah. one, yeah. That, well, that's, you yell for help, I come. Yeah, that's hey, true. I no did matter the same, what you're wearing. I did the same thing. <laughs> Do you remember the socks, Anita, was, up on the mountain? You guys still won't let yep. me live those down. I showed up in neon purple and green soccer socks because that was all I had in the Jeep at the time. That is fantastic. And I had my duty boots on. And I had cargo <laughs> shorts and a department t-shirt. I wish we had the camera going And I going see nothing wrong with that. Oh, John just popped up with a smile ear to ear like a Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, finally, something I can say. Hey, everyone. Dun, yeah. dun. We're proud of you. Well, John, right. for the record, I've also pumped an engine in heels and a dress. John's done that too. That is incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, called but a was kilt. it Anita's dress? <laughs> it's called a kilt. <laughs> Not a dress. <laughs> it still doesn't explain the heels, John. Oh, it's fine. Because <laughs> it went with the outfit. Duh. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, 
Well, gotta have the right look. The day I did it's, that, we were coming back from someplace, and I was dressed nice, like makeup the whole nine yards. That guy's still alive, That's actually. Awesome. No, not that one. This the day oh. I pumped. Oh. Mm. Um. But your heels guy is still alive. Is he? Nice. I saw him uh, <laughs> actually like two months ago. We were driving by, and the story just pops into my head every time we drive by that location. I, I do tell people. I every time I and he was out working on his tractor again. And I'm like, you should not do that. He was out there working on his tractor. And I looked at my partner. I was like, you should not do that. It did not end well last time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> my new favorite part of that story is John now knows that guy as the heels guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heels man. Right? Heels man. <laughs> but it's true. That guy's like, I've never worn heels in my life. What are you talking about? <laughs> You'll no. forever be known by the heels. I find it funny, though, listening to all these stories on how we were kind of, um, I guess, tricked, for lack of a better term, into progressing into this field. Yeah, that's valid. Because I started off in law enforcement. I mean, you guys mm. have seen me. Mm -hmm. you guys, I've listened to you guys dispatch. It's amazing. <laughs> Versus uh, the other dispatchers. Time. Yeah, we do. And, uh, and they need to do I got in coming year. I know. Mm, yes. Oh, was it that bad? Oh. Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm sorry, okay, guys. I'm sorry. It was a, it rough... Was a rough year. Yeah, we get it. It was a rough year for everyone. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't pull my gun. <laughs> no, just joking. <laughs> it was a rough uh, year. I was doing a law enforcement thing, and then I was kind of, I went to apply to a department that said I needed an EMS license. And I was like, I knew nothing about EMS. I was like, sure. Got my basic, and then I was kind of hired before I even had a license. They're like, no, we need people. Come here. And then I was just, <laughs> just all downhill from there. Oh, boy. Um, to answer your question about why was I pumping a truck in heels in a Yeah, I want to get back to that one. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we had gone, we were out to lunch or something. It was a nice Saturday, and it was in brush season. Oh. And when we were coming home, the department he was on at the time had a brush fire and they were yelling for help so of course he took a hard left and we went <laughs> and when we got there they needed help in the woods well i like brush fires i know i'm weirdo i'm a weirdo but but i didn't have the footwear or the clothing for it right that particular day but the guy running the pump did so i ended up go, looking at him over. going why don't you go do that and i'll do this oh but give me your gloves first because my knuckles don't like pump they don't like the poles of the pump that um, just made the outfit in my mind, too. <laughs> the giant fire exactly. gloves? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. Don't worry, I'm taking notes. These are my new date outfits. You're welcome. <laughs> it is never a dull Sweet. moment on a truck with her, I'll tell you that at least. I oh, believe it. The Anita stories we could tell. No. Right. Let's no. go. Well, usually when no. she shows up, shit's hitting the fan. Like, stuff, okay, stuff is hitting the fan. Well, yeah, the last time I came to in Casco, oh, I jumped it. a truck and you came over, and it was um, it was a cardiac arrest after a collapse. So. Well, the other thing is, um, she is the rehab person, and if you are having a problem because she has taught you how to do rehab along with mom, you're in the back of the truck. None of the firefighters want to listen to you. You open the door and go, Anita. She sticks her head in, and everybody does what you said. <laughs> I like that. We want to talk about transitions. I was always in the fire service and never did anything on the EMS side. And I mentioned before that I'd met Anita in a fire class. The following year, I taught the class again. Yeah. The following year, I taught the class again, and she came to photograph, and that's how we actually met and started hanging out. Part of the conversation was, part of the conversation was that I've never done anything medical, and that's pretty much all she had done until she took this right. fire class that I taught to cross-train. So she's like, I'm on a shift with my friend Denise, come down. 
it was like a Thursday or something, <laughs> and hang out. So I went down there to watch a movie with him, just hang out, just check out the ambulance. Yeah, Chuck and Larry. Yes. Just checking out the ambulance and just getting myself into this new pattern. Well, they got a call. So I jumped in the truck and went because I was a deputy chief level at that point. So that town allowed me to jump the call with them as long as I didn't do certain things. It was, I, I knew what I could do, what I couldn't do. And uh, it was kind of our first date, and I ended up tackling a 50-something-year-old lady and headlocking her on her way to the <laughs> hospital for Anita because she was getting bit and kicked. And uh, that was kind of our first gathering together. So that's how I got in the EMS side of this things. This is the best first date story I've ever heard right. in my entire freaking life. <laughs> Wow. I'll think I'll yeah. I think we'll go on a second date. I liked how you choked that guy out. <laughs> it was it was a girl. But um, so Even so better. this better, so this yeah. woman this this woman was unconscious in a ditch on the side of 302. Full Nelson. Yes. <laughs> got her in got her in the ambulance. She started to bite Anita, so Anita pulled the dentures out, shoved them in her pocket. Pulled the dentures. She also had oh, heels. No. Yeah, not a, not you Anita's don't. dentures. Anita took out the other girl's dentures. <laughs> Both of those images. I don't care either one. They're great. So, it was only after she bit my turnout, which incidentally had been in a fire two days prior. Oh, so, that mm, tasty. So she did that, and then she's pulling off her boots because she was also wearing heels that day. And not you, the patient. <laughs> the patient was biting, kicking. Say, so how many times are you wearing heels? You gotta stop doing that. <laughs> so she's got great shoes. That's all I gotta say. She went on a so, couple with us too. So I so I got this patient in a headlock, and the state trooper finally shows up and opens up the back door and sees her strapping this woman's legs down. Well, I've got her in a full headlock, and the driver like, "Are you ready to go? Are you ready to go?" And he's like, "I'll follow you." Close the doors, and off we went. Jeez. Well, we get to the hospital. And the two local officers met us there, along with the state trooper that followed us there. Mm. Well, Anita and her partner, Denise, comes and puts the patient on the bed and pulls the stretcher out. They go to redo the stretcher in the cot and get ready for the next call. <laughs> Little did I know my first EMS experience. Now I'm stripping down this almost 60-year-old lady and strapping her down to a bed. Because the nurses need help. So I'm doing this with the state trooper and two other local cops. She steps back in the room, and this woman, Anita, that I've been just recently hanging out with, decides that she's going to take this woman's arm that was trying to punch her. And bent, it, was, it was bent in ways that I've never seen arms bend before. <laughs> and um, it was, that's it was, what Eric knew. It was pretty, it was pretty impressive. And uh, now we're married. I'm we're scared have for a, my life. We're going to have a how you met your spouse right episode there you go <laughs> i feel like this thousand percent this is amazing brian we haven't talked much about yours but yours is in public safety right i'm not allowed to sit the boss says no oh okay but yes yes <laughs> but yes was it a similar story with somebody getting choked out no <laughs> no no full nelson because literally i am so intrigued by this story like so many images are oh, going yeah. to my head right now like, we should hang out more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, their wedding was awesome. That's all I got to say. Ooh, one right. of the best. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, good Lord. Well, then. <laughs> but there's, no, there's no smooth way to transition Not to really. next. So. so No, I was just... Did we have questions? <laughs> well, there was a few questions, questions I think more questions yeah. just came up than we had. <laughs> Eric, so there are a couple different ways this could go. I Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> no. Blink twice. 
I'm not allowed to because she's sitting right next to me. <laughs> Valid. Notice there's no cameras in this today, so listeners out there can't watch, but she's hitting me. <laughs> oh, under the table. Shut up, you like it. Oh, you know it. <laughs> All right. Well. Oh, Lord. Where do we go from here? I got nothing. We can only so, go up, right? You said we were just going with it. Right? Always oh, <laughs> just go with it. Uh, so I don't know about anyone else, but I mean, when I was getting into this, I feel like it was kind of the perfect storm of, uh, of timing because I think trying to get into it now would be really difficult. So especially where we've kind of transitioned away from mostly volunteer, you know, we have a lot of per diems. Um, I mean, that's one, what got me interested in it is I, I knew I could volunteer and I had so many people around that I could learn from. And, uh, you know, my driver trainers, my pump operators, stuff like that, they were, they were all volunteers. And even whatever it was, 10, 12 years ago now, whenever I started, we'd still kind of just go to the firehouse and hang out, wash yeah. the truck yeah. and That was whatever. the same when I first joined the fire department here. I was joined the rescue and I decided to go to fire training. It was twenty to thirty guys. Right. Oh yeah, fire training was completely. And then like you'd go to yeah, you'd go to the training and just like everybody would, everyone's there. Like it was a thing. You'd go there, hang out, eat food, mm-hmm. and then train, mm-hmm. and people would take you. Now it's not like that anymore. No. no. Yeah. Now, now it would yeah, be you, really you'd weird. You'd wrap up your training like a, and then you'd hang out for another two hours right. and get home about midnight right. <laughs> on a Monday night. And now yeah. if I, wow. I feel like yeah. it would be really difficult. It would be. A, Shouldn't say difficult. It would no, just it be. Is, it would be different. No, because it's it would, a thousand it would, percent difficult. It would feel like a commitment. It would feel like yeah, I'm yeah. going to training to train, and not, hey, I'm walking across the street to the fire. Well, house. I think that's that's part of it. Is that people now don't look at it as a volunteer, as a go and hang out with my friends and do some fire stuff. Now it's a job. Right. Yeah. You know. Mm. And being on the deputy chief side, when we get a volunteer in and we bring them in, there's not really anyone to train them. We have full-time and per diem staff, but they typically don't. It's a whole different It's a different mindset, yeah. right? Yeah. I, was, yeah, I was trying to figure out how to word that. Yeah. Because, because just like that, you know, it's uh, somebody, this is somebody's job now. Before it was people are, are coming to hang out because they have the same mindset the same thought process i'm coming to help i'm coming to volunteer or i'm coming to hang out one or the other how are you how are you guys doing staffing wise and that kind of i mean what what does your staffing look like well ours were have i know one department because obviously we have two one department's fine for the most part the other one is struggling in the aspect that they do still have a fairly good sized volunteer base but they also have their full-timers. They have live-ins, but when you have this live-in program, at least half of your live-ins end up going back out of state because they're from a lot of places like Connecticut or Vermont. Yeah. They come up here and they'll do the program and then they go home. Or we have them, they do the program in that department and they go for, I know a couple of them have gone to Portland and yeah. gone full-time yeah. in Portland, but they don't stay at the department that they did the live-in program with. Yeah. even though they're close by. So you kind of, you put all that, you train them, and then they go to another department and you kind of lost that person. But they do have the benefit that the live-ins are there and when they're there, they go on calls. Right. But you're still training them so they can only do a certain portion of what you need done. Yeah. 
so I mean, at there, there's that struggle where you've got some, but you can only do so much with them, right. or you have that question of, okay, is somebody gonna gonna be able to come and drive the truck today? Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, one town has three ambulances, one has two. One town, you can probably staff all three ambulances along with the ladder and the engine and still be fine. The other one, it's, okay, I got one ambulance out, I got a 50-50 if I'm going to get the other one, mm. on depending on what day of the week it is and if somebody's at work or not. Yeah. So. Yeah, we have that oh. same problem. Yeah. We have a lot of holes. Yeah. And I'm working on fixing it, but it's just going to take time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How did your uh, meeting go? My meeting went reasonably okay. Yeah. yeah. Did you get what you asked for? Um, theoretically, but it has to pass the town meeting. Okay. So. Well, that's good. That's a step forward. Yeah. Yep. If it passes the town meeting, then yes, that's I can make good. some positive changes. If um, it doesn't pass the town meeting, well, then I tried and they've been told. Right. Right. Mm. <laughs> you know. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, it, we can we can only present the information and and show them in in hard data what's actually happening which is exactly what i did yeah. it um, seems like i've run into that more in the last year than anything and maybe it's just because it's i've only been an officer for a couple of years but that seems to be what you run into is a i'm going to tell you the worst case scenario and then when you say oh that will never happen and then it happens i'm going to come back and tell you i told you so right and that's really the only thing you can do and it's super frustrating i think there's been a couple incidents lately that that's actually happened that's exactly i mean in and the it, area it's, wow. and it's, it's it's awful to it's terrible to, it's terrible to have a tragedy and then have to go use back it as and ammunition. use it as mm. an example of this is why we asked for what we asked for right and you said no and now this has happened that, right. yeah that has happened to me also and i don't even say i told you so when they start uh, venting to me or complaining i just go what do you expect i mean right. we we told you this years ago mm. and i even had uh, a, a chief say be like he even goes i know johnny i know i was like you know several of us came to you two years ago you know what i'm talking about and you basically said it was us you said we were complaining and now you're coming with your hat in your hand and i'm like I have nothing for you. I was like, I give you my one day a week and that's it. You burnt this bridge. I don't even do that anymore. Yeah. I used to be a 36 hour backwards person. It's like, I told you so. It's a, I told you so moment, but you don't want it to be an I told you so no. moment. Cause you almost yeah. kind of feel bad, but you're like mental health reasons. I'm, I'm out. Yeah. I tried. Sometimes after you have, that's what you have to do yep. first is think of yourself yep. before you think of the job. Yep. Oh, yeah. I've and at times it can be very hard. I've stepped way back over there, but <clears throat> if I can be, I'm not going to be gone. Yep. But right now i got to staff my own truck. Right. Well, that's the thing. Is like, <laughs> so I work full-time for another department, and that department's got to come first. Right. As a leader, it has to come first. Like, you, you, I've tried to help. Yeah. It didn't work. I, gotta put, I have to prioritize and execute, right? Mm. Pri make yeah. my priorities, and then that's it. Yeah, right now, if I pull time over there, it would be Sunday because I have a super reliable, they're not coming in unless they're dead crew on Sundays. Yeah. So. And there's a lot of times... I've tried that, and they told me to stay away. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're like, you have COVID. I can work, I swear. <laughs> like, uh, no. There's a lot of it's times you have to come up with a strategy, too. Like, are you, are you going to... Uh, 
Are you going to pilot a, a sinking ship or do you let the ship sink and try and go from there? You know, do you, when you see an I told you so moment coming up, what do you do about it? Do you, do you just keep trying to fight it or you just go, you know what, let it, let it go. And then when it crashes, then I can look back and go, so I told you how to fix this already. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you didn't do anything about it. So some people I have always, to learn the hard way. Yeah, right. yeah, I always I'm have the, I will help out if I can, even if it's an I told you so moment, unless it's going to cause harm to myself type of thing. Right. And that's not extreme, but uh, not that extreme, but I will help out, but I'm not going to add extra stress at this point. I tried to help right. you in the beginning, but it's not going to help. But it didn't work, so if uh, I'll help out if I can, but I'm not going to go out of my way. Right, because at a, at a certain point, even if you disagree with somebody, if there's the possibility of progression, you still have to help. Right. So well, you don't you have know, to, it, but it's well, no. Idea. So it's if somebody has a strategy that you don't agree with, if they, regardless, they have a strategy, they have a plan. It's not going to work without. Or it's not going to work if they have to work on their own. Right. It's a guess what I'm trying to get at. So if you think they're wrong, but they're definitely going to be wrong if you don't help out, and they might be wrong if you do help out, how long do you ride that that maybe out before you go, you know, this isn't until it's, it's, yeah. it until it's a problem. Yourself, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't agree with a lot of people. I mean, I'm friends with Brian. I don't agree with him. He doesn't like me at all. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, I think that's what a lot of chiefs need for their Probably officers. Probably 40% yeah. of the time. There's too many times that I've run into... Right. There's too many times that I've run into chiefs that hire officers or promote officers because they're agreeing. You know, you need someone that's going to say, hey, have you thought about it from this way? Because I don't like why you did this, and here's why I would do it differently. And then you need to have the right people in there that are going to discuss it as well. Not just go, you're wrong, I'm right, and walk out. I think yeah, too many doesn't... times people take it personal. Oh, absolutely. Like, that, I like, Brian says I hate him, but I like Brian, but we're not going to agree on everything. And there's I don't no possible, that. There's right. no possible way. And it's important for the but people that you bring in your department. I can still respect too. them and disagree with them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's... that's Sorry what a say. concept. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but not like, everybody is like that, though. Right. Some people mm-hmm. feel that when they have the res- authority right. and that power of authority, you are not allowed to disagree with them or yeah. contradict them. Yeah. I mean, just like when we do our fire trainings, if you teach somebody to do something some way, one way, I'm not going to go, no, don't listen to him, that's wrong. You know, if it worked, it worked. I might show you another way to do it. Maybe my way is not as good. This is how I do it. But and that's then, the thing, you have to be willing to learn what somebody else knows and try to find the middle ground. You don't even necessarily need to learn. It's, I think it's beneficial to learn, but you need to be accepting of it, especially when you're, when you're looking at training another person. You know, With the uh, management side of things, you're, you're typically going to be dealing with uh, your firefighters underneath you. In a training aspect, you're training new people both situations that third person really should have both perspectives and then they can learn from there or make their decisions from there but i think it's important to have both of those and you need to have the left and the right hand talking to each other and working with each other whether or not they agree doesn't really matter 
it's just a matter of... It doesn't always work that way in this business. No, no, it never, it, I shouldn't say it never works, that, but it rarely works that way, but that's Again, the, you know, that, the best case scenario, I guess. When you, you talked about politics in, in this business, there's a lot of politics in this business. We, I, we've gotten really lucky around here, I think. God bless you. Right. You're lucky. And it's, it's easy to forget oh. that. It's easy to go, you know... <laughs> right, I'm over here like. Ugh. I know, but that's but that's what I was just about to say. Is that there's it's there's easy a reason I'm not a deputy anymore. <laughs> right. There was you asked the question. I belonged to a town I worked with for quite a while. I disagreed with people. I respected them. They had their opinions. I had mine. They had a plan, and I went as long as I could into the point where, like John said, it started to be detrimental to me. Mm when it started to put my liability into question and ruin other paths that I were taking or were gonna derail that path, I had to cut ties. I got to the point where it was unsafe, there was lack of communication, and some of the stuff that was going on was shady enough that it would ruin my instructor accreditation mm. with the state, with the way that I've been working with them, and I wasn't gonna jeopardize that. So to do that, I had to hang up my badge and walk away. I have reached out to that department and explained to the new chief what had happened on my side of things. I don't know what he got for a story on his end, mm -hmm. but I had my conversation. I had a four-hour meeting with him, reached my hand out, explained everything to him, answered his questions and said, these are my concerns with what happened and what is happening. And if you're willing to change some of that stuff and you want me back, I'm just a phone call away. Yep. And that's the way I left it. Perfect. But that's why right now I just, I just teach. And to tell you the truth, I'm getting kind of burnt out. I promised Freiburg that I'd help them with a class and Josette's father teach a bridge class in the spring, which we've talked about. After that, I really need to seriously sit back and think about where I want to go next. Right. I test out Wednesday on my fire officer one and two, but yet I just hung up my fire officer part. So whether I find another home somewhere or that just sits on a shelf, is to be determined but come the spring I really got to reevaluate what's going on and go from there but that's exactly what happened to me I got pushed into a corner and it started to it started to look like it could hurt me in other places so I had to step away right well and it was starting to start fights at home too oh yeah it was trickling home which is funny because yes. now that I gave up my deputy you became one <laughs> so it's our house transition um but, that's but that right, being that's said, point, that being said, I don't hate just, anybody in that department. I don't dislike anybody in that department. Had breakfast with a bunch I, yesterday. Oh yeah, I, I, I still hang out with them. I'm friends with them. I think in, in our public safety aspect, sometimes people have a hard time shutting things off at the door. Mm. Like out in the parking lot, we can be friends. Once we walk in the door, it's the, it's the fire department. It's, it's work. Yes, it's hard because we're family and we've got to get along and this and that, but some people have a hard time draw on those lines like like john and brian were saying that they, they could disagree with stuff as officers in this department but that doesn't mean they're not going to go out to dinner tonight and have a beer and and joke and enjoy right. themselves but unfortunately not everybody can do that exactly and there are people that absolutely can't do that they think that no matter where you are it's got to be you're the boss that's the fire department i disagree with you i hate yeah. you i don't like you right. and that's that's you not how i operate my rank. I'm, I'm this i'm that yeah exactly and i think that's a huge problem in our industry in some aspects. I think everybody think wants to be a little difficult being in Maine since we have a lot smaller population. Yes. Our age, 
well, no, uh, Armenian I'm not sure age. I guess where um, I thought you were going with this was like, it's hard to manage friends. It's hard that, to be boss and that, friends. That buddy to boss thing is extremely I, difficult. I remember taking leadership trainings where people would be like, they would draw a hard line. They'd be like, I'm your boss, not your friend. You can't do both. And I always hated that because to me, <clears throat> having a degree in psychology, it was the laziest way they could do it. They didn't want to put in the effort to maintain that friend and boss relationship. Yes, it's harder, but being a leader is not supposed to be harder. Drawing those lines, I, I think, are bullshit. You can absolutely mm -hmm. be a boss and a, a friend, but you gotta have mutual respect, you're gonna have to work harder, you're gonna have to put in the work. I think the whole, oh, well, I, I have to be your boss, I can't be your friend anymore, it's a lazy cop-out, in my opinion. You just need to have a balance on it. My new boss, was my primary partner for four years. Right. And the person that I saw three days a week, I know his kids' birthdays, I know their names, there's five of them for crying out loud. I know all of them. And it's, he was my friend first, now he's my boss. But you've gotta have that, okay, we're in, you're in boss mode, we gotta do this, mm -hmm. and hey, let's take 10 minutes, hey, how are the kids doing, that sort of thing. You've gotta have that balance and respect for someone when you understand they have to be your boss and that's their job. Right. The, only, the only way that I would say from when I was in leadership in my job in Alaska and you're living and working and playing with all the same people, the only time that I really had to use that I'm your boss, that's it, hard cut offline, was when they also didn't respect it. So if we're in friend time, right. they start talking about, yeah. you know, job things. That was, there were a few individuals where I had to go, we can't continue a friendship because you do not respect the boundaries between friendship time and work time. Right, but because then if you're gonna that's bleed it on over. them. Yeah, right. absolutely. Because you, you set boundaries, you set those expectations. Mm -hmm. And then they decided not to respect them. Correct. That's not So that's you. when I think it's yeah. acceptable to yeah. say, okay, then no, we're not, yeah. I'm no, not putting the energy into friendship time. Yeah, it's an absolute two-way street. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thousand percent. That, that's different. I'm talking about the leaders that come in mm. and say, no, we're not friends. These are my employees. This is how we're going to do it. It's, to me, it's, it's just lazy. They don't, they don't want to put in the effort. Mm. Now, if you're putting in the effort and they're not, just like any other relationship, you've got to cut ties. Yeah. It's all about spelling out those expectations and boundaries and stuff too. Right. I know for a long time, well, the whenever, fire still, is whenever, awful for communication. Whenever <laughs> John, like to talk. whenever John texts me or calls, like, is this Deputy Chief Morrison or is this John? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Right are you now? serious? Or are you fucking with me? Yeah, no, that that <laughs> happens very often. Hey, why the hell did you do this? Uh, are you asking like rhetorically, or are you asking like? Really, why did I do that? <laughs> we figured it out. Yeah. It's communication. We did. <laughs> so. so, are you being serious? Right. No, I'm just fucking with it. Oh, phew, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, we're all a family. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's a, a family of, of misfits, well, he he but it's a, a family. Yeah, he sent me a video of the busiest fire department, or uh, the fire department that doesn't, doesn't ever sleep. That video you sent me? Oh. One of their lieutenants was like, look, we, we poke, we prod, we bust each other's balls, but this is a hard job. And if you don't have thick skin to be able to handle that, then this probably isn't a job for you. Amen. Like, I loved that video. 
So transition from that back to the girls, <laughs> because <laughs> that's what this podcast is all about. Talking about thick skin in the fire service, what's been your experience of being a woman in fire or EMS, thick skin wise? Like, is there been a moment where you're like, I can't do this. I've got to, I've got to stand up. I've got to punch back. Like, or do you just be one of the boys and kind of roll with it? Like, what, what's your feelings about being a female in public safety? Need to have thick skin and a smart mouth. Amen. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> and you got to have a spine. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately, some men, you have to stand up to them and you have to go toe to toe with them. Mm-hmm. And even though sometimes they won't respect you, but that's okay. Hmm. Those are the ones you don't need because after you have that that toe to toe, and they're a halfway decent, reasonable human being, they're gonna go. You know what? She's right. Hmm. Hopefully. Yeah, well, not all, not all of them are like that. So has, have you found that more often than not? Like, you what, guys have you all have been to... to several different agencies or worked with several, several places. Mm-hmm. Have you found out that that's just like one person at one time? Or are you finding it every time you go to another agency that you're having that trouble? I think you're going to find someone like that in any department. Yeah. There's a rotten ap- apple in every barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always someone who, and I hate to say it this way, and but they don't like women. Yeah. And you can't do what I do. Well, I got news for you, sunshine. Yeah, I can. <laughs> and, and I'll th- blow your freaking doors off if I have to. And I think that's part of why I get along with my fire and rescue crews that I dispatch as much as I do. Because I've made it clear. I've gone to their trainings. I've gone to their fire department and done EMS trainings with them to show them I know how to do your job. Right. I know how to do this side of it. And I want to make sure that what I'm doing is beneficial to you on that side of the radio and that we can work together and make this easier for both of us. And I just recently switched from night shift to day shift. I don't know how many messages I got mad at me because they want me on night shift because our dispatch center works one person at night. So I am the only voice that they're going to hear at three in the morning waking them up. And they're like, I like hearing you. You know what we need, and you send it out efficiently because we've talked. And I'm, I might have said this before, but I don't know if I have on our podcast or not, but it'd be hard to plan it and to make it work. But I f- see and I, I feel that everybody should play a part. Sorry, not play a part, but they should sit for a shift in everybody's position. Mm. I got into it with the, the place that I was a deputy chief at. I got into it with one of the dispatchers one day, and we had a disagreement back and forth. And she's like, well, you need to come sit in my chair for a day. And I said, you need to come in the fire truck for a day Mm -hmm. and listen to our end of it. And she's like, we went back and forth a little bit. And I was like, all right, when's your next shift? And she told me, I said, I'll see you there. And I went in and she thought I was just going to go and sit with her for an hour. I sat there for a 12-hour shift with her through the whole dispatch. I said, all right, now come over to the firehouse. I think that everybody should at least sit in that chair or get in their shoes for a shift so that they can see both sides, because we all have to work together. And there's valid complaints and valid pros and cons on both ends of the spectrum. Mm. I mean, when I was sitting in there with her in the dispatch center, listening to some of the radio traffic, I was like, that guy's not keying up. Like, he's talking before he keys up. Mm. She's like, I know, it drives me nuts. And I was like, (laughs) it's driving me nuts listening to it. (laughs) But then I get on the other end, and I'm like, I'm that guy that keeps keying up the mic that's not working in the truck, like trying to get my traffic out, and she can't hear me and keep asking me to repeat myself. And it's, it's sometimes it's me because I'm too anxious going to the call. Sometimes it's the radio. Mm. Like I see, I, I, I saw both ends of it. Right. And I think that, I mean, I don't know how we'd ever put it in our trainings, 
But I think like in the firefighter one and two level, there should be some spectrum there of dispatching, not just this is how it works, but there should be a segment where you have to actually go be a part of that system. Same thing. If you're going to dispatch like me and tell me where to go and what I'm doing. I was going to say, just like that. So yeah. when you it, show it up, is. you should come you out and learn our equipment and see who we are and yeah. stuff too. Mm -hmm. You can't just sign up, go sit in a chair in a room and right. not know any of our faces. No, it is awful. I went and took the emergency dispatching class and at the end of it, the lady's like, oh, well, where do you want to work? And I was like, nowhere. I don't ever <laughs> want to do this job. I'm here for the credits at this point. I was like, this is all. I even texted you, right? Yeah. And I was like, how do you do this? I was like, I just want to murder people. And <laughs> it's like, well, well, too bad. You're going to die. Like <laughs> and that's, that's part of the thing that you want them to understand is I want to give you as much of myself and as much of my attention as I can for what you need on that other side of the radio. But I have three other channels that are requiring that much attention at the same time. And that's part of what uh, my new boss and I have been talking about because I was recently put in the training officer position is that we're going to be sending the dispatchers out on the trucks. They have to go for a ride along to pass their um, training course with us. And I changed, I asked to change it to, they don't just go for a day because sometimes you might have a day where you have no call. Mm. They go until they go on a call. They need to go see what they do hands on because specifically when I'm training, I'll go in depth on some of the fire stuff because when they ask for something or they say they're out at a hydrant doing this or anything, you want that person to understand, hey, this is what they're doing now, so next they're going to need this. Right. So you can pre-plan and start going, okay, well, if they're going to do this next, then I'm going to be calling for this agency for this truck and this one. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to call them. I'm ready to get the next thing going. Going back to your original question, Eric, um, where you were asking about, you know, being, being a female in these services, what is it like? It coming from guiding, it was very similar. So when you're guiding, you're very much, you know, as a woman, if you're a raft guide, you kind of got to bro it up because when, mm, totally. oh, absolutely. You know, you get the, um, I loved the, the corn fed Iowans would always come either in Colorado when I was guiding there or up in Alaska, they'd walk up and they'd see me standing next to a raft and go, oh, I don't know, little lady, you think you can take five of us? And I was like, are you, for the love of God, get in. <laughs> and by the time I start rowing, I'm just going through all these things, blah, 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 whether it was white water or whatever it was, I have, I've put so many people, oh, Boy Scout dads especially, they have a certain place in my heart. I love <laughs> to mess with Boy Scout dads. So I have, I have physically pulled a Boy Scout dad out of the water, back into my boat, put his face at his son's feet, grabbed my paddle and then continued to get us through a rapid and he did not say a damn word to me afterwards <laughs> until the very very end he is white faced we get to the end of it and he goes i understand why you give the safety talks that you do in the way that you speak at the beginning now and i went yeah it's for a reason bro thank you <laughs> but you do you kind of have to you have to come off with some aspect of you know Yes, I'm going to act super brusque or brusque or however you say that word. I don't know. I can spell it, but I can't say it. Um, come off looking a little tough and like being one of the dudes. Dude, I am tough. What are you exactly. 
so uh, nice. But that woman at the end of the counter, she's tough. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna pick her over pretty much any person I've ever met now, uh, especially if she shows up in heels to something. My God. <laughs> and that's the thing is, 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 is in the services that I've worked through, I have met a lot of great women. Mm-hmm. So have oh, I. Yeah. And and the beauty of it is, is I learned from each and every one of them mm-hmm. to make me yep. the person that I am today. Absolutely. If I didn't have the female influences, I would I would never have gotten to the point that I'm at now. Oh, absolutely. Or learned anything. Exactly. So that was one of the big things. When I started being in charge of the hiring for this guiding company, I hired a lot more women because I like the way that they lead. I like the, how they think about things. Mm-hmm. I like the way that they plan. I like how a lot of them wrangle people. It was it was really interesting watching. So you were hiring with a bias? Is that what you're telling us? Yeah. 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 That's discrimination. I don't know. care. I do not care. Anita can take control of any situation, and I've seen it. I've seen her working on an ambulance and a bunch of drunk firefighters stripping down naked and getting ready to jump into the frozen lake and she just starts yelling like she is mama bear and she's like get your clothes on get back in <laughs> and it's like oh my god exactly yes. and the it's di- effective but the day that happened one of the officers who i've known since he was probably 14 oh man had the guts to walk up to me and tell me you need to calm down and it didn't go so well. i can't imagine that he, did. Um, <laughs> i just didn't really say much. I gave him the look of death and he went, mm-hmm. and I'm going that way. Exactly. <laughs> so I will say that's, that's been an aspect about, you know, hopping out of the back of an ambulance and yeah, you've got some big drunk guy who's like, well, what are you going to do? You are going to get into the back of this truck because one way or another, I'm going to get you back there and you don't yeah, realize that was it. Yeah, much the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but they were firefighters. We, we <laughs> don't make me hogtie you because I can do it. We You'd be surprised what I can do with a nine foot exactly. When Gretchen was here, you know, you, you definitely have different attributes that are you know, a benefit. So yeah, the way the the way that women can go into a situation, and sometimes it's just literally the way that you speak or your presence, how you come off, can de-escalate things right very quickly. Exactly, it, and that's huge. But not all women, no. and not all guys are bad either. No, absolutely there's, not. There's some women no that I've that. worked with we that didn't say that. Have, no, what I'm saying <laughs> is there's been some females that I've worked with that. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? They, they entice the situation and make it a hell of a lot worse than what it was when we first got there. Antagonize. Antagonize. There you go. Yeah. That's a good one. We'll use drama <laughs> queens. Yeah, there's yes. some that are not very good. And then right. there's some that are very caring and can decelerate the, the situation immensely. Absolutely. But there's also the same thing on the, the guy side. Yeah. I've seen guys that are absolute train wrecks. Yeah. And then I've seen guys that are more feminine than I've ever seen a woman. <laughs> and, and Why'd you look at Brian? <laughs> it's the mustache. I was going to say, it's got to be the mustache. <laughs> but that's the problem. I think some of the females take it too far, whether it be in fire, EMS, police. Uh, I had an officer that I worked with at one of my previous departments that uh, she was temporarily in a position of power. And if you didn't jump when she said it, she would lose her mind. And then, of course, when you had the rest of the females in the room going, all right. And then it just caused more problems because you have the guys going, what is happening? And all the females going, what did you just say to me? And then it just went oh, sideways. No, you did. That's everywhere, though. You see those especially new officers 
that just get a title and then they expect Respect because they have a title. Yeah, they have a title. <laughs> and then they get all upset. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, this person's not listening to me. I was like, well, because your crew now doesn't respect you. It's like, your title doesn't mean shit. Your crew doesn't respect you. I think, though, being able to hold your own, super important in this profession. Mm -hmm. But also being able oh, no to admit doubt. that I've you have a closet you. princess. That's cool too. <laughs> Honestly, I, I that's been a big thing learn yeah. a big learning curve for me because Warrior again, Princess? Yeah. Is that what we can call you? If you want. <laughs> I'll come <laughs> to my bubble baths and my manicures. Totally. Yeah. And, her, and her pink shield. Oh, yeah. that's even better. Yeah. But yeah, realizing that that aspect is still okay. You are still, you know, we still have feelings because somehow we have emotions. I don't know, I still struggle with that a whole lot. Depends um, on the day. Exactly. But also, it's <laughs> okay if you wear a dress out it's sometimes. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. Right. It's okay to, you know, <laughs> I've shown up in, yes, And it's okay makeup. to wear that dress. Exactly. I was it's just okay. recently told it's a kilt. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> you mean okay. like Anita on her wedding? a skirt and a kilt. Okay. <laughs> Skirts have something underneath. If a true Scotsman does not wear anything under his kilt. Beside yes. his own. That's true. And yesterday, it was truly nothing. Sucked right, right, right in I was going to say, like Anita on her wedding day while she's in her wedding dress and her duty boots. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that kind of started as a joke. But it didn't end that way. <laughs> no, it didn't. But so it all started with I was trying to decide what shoes to wear. Valid. High, low, flat, whatever. Right. Doesn't matter. Um, and <laughs> I made a joke about the hell with this. I'm just going to wear my duty boots. I was kidding. Totally kidding. Nope. Well, my mother like flipped out. You will not wear combat boots at your wedding. And I was oh, like, geez. really? Challenge accepted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tell me ding, now. Ding. That's like every She's human She's known being. you the longest. Did she <laughs> challenged you like that? Yep. Oh, yeah. So what I did is. Hold my beer. <laughs> you know it. Sent my, I sent my duty boots, or rather, I sent my shoes ahead with the wedding planner. Had them all ready to go, got all dressed, veil the whole nine yards, shoved my 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 um, bridesmaids were in on this. Yes. They helped me put my boots on. I got my mother's attention and went, "Hey, look, duty boots!" Proceeded to hike my dress up so she could see them and then walk across the parking lot, <laughs> all oh the way gosh, into where we were getting married. And when we got she to where we were waiting, I kicked my boots off, put awesome. my shoes on, wore appropriate bride shoes down the aisle, and then. Got done, came I'm back out, kicked the wedding. shoes off, put the boots back on, and spent the rest of the day in my duty boots. Which absolutely took the heat off the groom. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> I was so scared of her mother when we first met. She's a very traditional woman. Oh. I always walking on eggshells. Now that Anita's the one that was causing harm and hate and discontent at the wedding and not me, I was clear sailing Great. after that. She started it. If she hadn't freaked out about me wearing, not wearing my duty boots, I never would have done it. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> that That's is everybody fantastic. Here, you can't do that. Uh -oh, okay, we watch me. messed up. <laughs> I'm about to show you how. Just slide that big red button right in front of me. <laughs> poke, poke, poke. Yeah, exactly. I, I do think, though, that as a woman in this service, sometimes we get labeled bitches when we're really just standing up for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if you got the same behavior that we did out of a dude, no one would bat an eye. Exactly. Yeah. I can see that. Yep. Like, and that just gets tiring and frustrating. It does. Going, I, he literally just said the same thing in the same tone of voice 
why are you giving me attitude now for saying exactly what he did? Or agreeing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the places where I had the unique situation is most people, their dad was the firefighter. They were in the fire service. They were going out, going on calls. Uh, if you say the mother-daughter crew in Southern Maine, everybody knows it's me and mom because you don't have that mother-daughter crew very often. Right. And it's one of those things that I grew up with. It wasn't dad going out, going on fire calls. It was mom. Yeah. We have Gretchen and Sean. And I was just <laughs> thinking, you, get, you, have, you have the mom and son's crew too, which sometimes yeah. you have to Do you to find it sometimes that you have to be more um, assertive than a guy would to get the same uh, point across? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and then you get tagged being a bitch because you had to. Put I said that assertive. Much... I did not say the B word. No, but you do. No, but you get the label. That's the label. Yeah. You get the label, the label because you, you were more assertive to get somebody to pay attention to you right. when you or Brian could have walked up and gone, "Hey, please don't do that again," and it would have been over. Yeah. For someone to listen to us, sometimes we have to be like, assertive. Hey, super well, assertive. Sit down. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, <laughs> or it takes that one. It, it's a weird moment that you don't expect. You have that one moment that you do something that you didn't realize was a big deal. And they come back and go, holy crap, that was cool. How did you just do that? Mm. I've had that with the fire guys in whether it was in person. And I mean, you know, using a nine foot strap, just put an oddball sized person on a backboard. And they went, that was neat. How, where the heck did you learn that? Or on the dispatch side of. They say something, they're long-winded, and they just go and go and go and go and go, and you're required to repeat exactly what they say. So you turn around and do the whole, like, minute-and-a-half narrative back to them exactly as they did, and then there's this dead air for a minute. And they go... <laughs> That's when you let them finish, you key up and hold it for about 10 seconds, and then you say, 10-4. <laughs> <laughs> but... After, after that happened, all of a sudden they call in and go, hey, Morgan, how are you? And I was like, whoa, you know my name. I don't know who you are, but cool. Because <laughs> there's about, I don't know what, 100 and something of you guys and one of me. But, you know, okay, we'll run with it. But it's that weird moment where you did something that you don't realize. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, this person's okay. Mm. And it doesn't take that with the guys. They come in, it's the guys club, and everybody just kind of goes with it. But that female, you kind of have to have that aha moment with them sometimes to go, oh, wait. Right. Oh, you're a functioning human being. Yeah, I know. That wow. Has a name and talks. <laughs> I think I think it comes in time. I I've talked about it before about the the badge bunnies and the 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 girls that are actually in it for yeah. what they really are, and the guys that are the same way. I think it comes with time. I would I totally understand that you have to be more assertive at the beginning, but I think if you worked with the same people, you'd all figure each other out. We like we said we, we're family. I think after the first couple shifts, you're like, all right, this this girl knows her shit, and I'm gonna. You know, I am going to follow her and work with her and stuff, and then you're not so offish. But you shouldn't read a book by its cover, of course, and that's what right. a lot of us guys do. Yeah. And well, we kind of just the general public. Literally, anybody walking up, they're going to come up. If I have a male partner on an ambulance, they're going to come up and they're going to talk to him first, nine yeah. times out of ten. So I guess I wanted to flip it a little bit. As trainers, do you feel like you? Um, approach training women differently than men no in fact i hate i hate when somebody uses the excuse that they're a female you talked about this last time yeah. so mm-hmm. i cannot yeah. stand it and it's, it's happened twice and i just walk away <laughs> which is valid because it is not an excuse no, we cannot not. just say oh i'm a girl i can't Listen, do if that you're masked up and in fire gear i can't tell if you 
I have a penis or a vagina. Right. I don't care. All I care is if you could do that job or not. I, tr I treat my students the same, but I also recognize that there are differences between males and females. We talked about this before, about the upper body strength mm -hmm. with Gretchen and Dana. That's something in the years of my instructions I've noticed. So I do transition a little more in my um, technical aspects mm -hmm. to drive them to other women in the fire service or other techniques that I've learned through the women because there is a difference. But standard-wise, they got to do the same thing everybody else does. Absolutely. But I like that you do, you know, if we need something modified, like I have really crappy shoulders and I don't have great upper body strength. Oh, exactly. So then, yeah, I need somebody to show me this is a modification on how you throw a ladder or how you lift this or how you do whatever. Awesome. But it's not because I'm a girl. It's because I have really shitty shoulders. But what I'm telling <laughs> you is being that. an instructor for a long time, it is because you're female. Right, I've absolutely. seen it in every single class that I teach. Yeah. But I've, I identif our body, but I've identified that and I, I know, okay, mm -hmm. I could teach this this way. I could teach this way. But when I teach this, I do have to show a different technique to the females because that's just naturally yeah. how they're built. They have to do it this way. But that's the mark of being a good instructor because exactly. you know that. You're not just calling it out and going, oh, because you're a girl, I'm going to show this. You go, it's okay. I know that you might be struggling with this. Here's a solution. Yeah, not I show just it yelling the at them going, yeah. well, you should be able to do this to keep up with the Exactly. Vehicle. And I show it to the whole group, not just the females. So if a guy decides that awesome. that technique will work better than the other one I was showing him, right. there you go. like Ed said before, if it works, it works. I don't give a shit how it works. Just right. make it happen. Right. We give you a task as an officer to get something done. And I expect you to do it and do it as quick and as safely as you can. Mm -hmm. right. I, I don't care that, how you do it. Just make it get done. Right. I view that as like a physical restriction though. Like I don't... See, I hate using the male and female thing. If somebody has a physical, like Ed and I, we have size 13, 14 boots. When we lock into a ladder, <laughs> it is awful. Yeah. We, it's, you it's, might not get out again. No, yeah, we're stuck there for 40 minutes. <laughs> we went over that story yeah. last time, yes. too. <laughs> so because that of that, we have to learn different techniques. We class. use ladder belts. Oh. I use a ladder belt because I'm not locking my leg in there because I'm never coming out. <laughs> and I'm not having somebody with a phone tape me. But if somebody, <laughs> if somebody has... Uh, I mean, um, one of our old older firefighters is like three foot whatever. Um, he had uh, upper body strength issues too. So I, I like to view it as a physical restriction type of thing versus male or female. No, but I think I, hate, I just being I honest, I think I approach crap. trainings differently and it's probably more biased about the men than the women that if I'm training new guys, they want to see the glory side of firefighting. They want to see the cowboy thing. I'll make sure my gear's dirty. I'll <laughs> be a little scruffy. I'll have the tattoos out and tell them what we're going to do. Where when I'm training women specifically, I'll, I'll try and be more presentable. I'll try and be a little... Wear Is that when you wear your dress, Ed? That's when I wear my dress. <laughs> and his heels. <laughs> my tactical exactly. kilt. Tactical. No, but like, I mean, just to kind of hit on some of the stuff you guys were talking about that like... If a guy's getting picked on, unless he's absolutely getting railroaded, I'm going to let him kind of feel his way around it. Where if I've got a, a female that joined and she joined completely on her own, she doesn't have any friends already in the department, this is her first dive into this, this mm. career field, I'm going to be a little more like on her side. And, you know, yeah. in conversations, I'm going to just kind of... Make sure that she's not alone, I guess, is where i No, I'm that's at. valid, because it is, it is a thing. We can be bent towards 
feeling kind of ostracized. It's weird. It's intimidating to come in, especially, you know, if it's a room full of dudes, you're the only woman. It, I try not to think about it a lot, but that did happen at first with Freiburg Fire. It is literally all men. I am the first <laughs> yes. woman who has been on that department, which they made very clear when I started showing up. And I, again, because I'm used to it, because I come from a guiding background, blah, blah, blah. I'm used to being around a lot of dudes and not having a whole lot of women around, but it is intimidating. So to have somebody who's backing you up and encouraging that, that is fantastic because that's helping retention. Right. One thing that I just thought about is that uh, one thing I like about female students is they tend to ask the question, why? Like they want to know why they're doing something, why something is happening and why something does this. Whereas men, you say, hey, yeah, throw that ladder. And they're like, okay, they don't question (laughs) it. They just do it. Females would be like, I'm thinking of Gretchen, actually, because we taught her BLS class. And she'd be like, okay, but why am I throwing the ladder over here versus over here? Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is why. You know, We want to keep the ventilation over by the fire, and we want to do a controlled vent and, you know, while they're entering. She goes, well, that fire, at this fire, they didn't do that. I go, that's why we're doing this training. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I've, seen, I've, seen, it, I've exactly. seen it this way. I was like, yes. But this is why we do that. And she's like, okay. And she, it used to get annoying, but then I learned to respect it because she's actually trying to learn the why she mm-hmm. does stuff. I was going to say, she's just look, looking stuff. to understand yeah. why yes. this is done. You didn't make her throw that evil 25-foot roof ladder, did you? Actually, I think I did. Oh, <laughs> I hate that thing. I did. She was, one, she, was, she was a lot like Ed. She didn't like heights. I hate but heights, like, too. But walking up with her and coaching her through her, as coaching with her, she she did it. She went up the tower. She threw the ladder. Uh, she was a little nervous. We did the whole swap. You know how you swap mm-hmm. people. She did that. She just needed a little coaching. But that's not a female thing. Ed did the same thing. Ed just doesn't like people. Don't like heights. It's valid. For me, it's not so much that I don't like heights. It's that I am a huge klutz, and then you put me in a heels. pack you... and no heels. <laughs> a pack of heels. <laughs> You're looking at that. New, I want to see. You're looking at a I will pay good money to see that. Like literally, I could just fall randomly for no. Walking across. Yeah, the I, I don't like that's ladders. Concerned. That's why I don't like being on the roof, though. Is because I'm a klutz to start with. I can trip over a painted line in a. In a <laughs> you trip in your duty boots. Yes, we pick I can. you up. Yes. Um, but I can do that, and then you put me in what, 100 pounds of gear and restrict my vision and tell me climb up three stories? Mm. I'm going to tell you which hospital I want to go to before I leave the roof. <laughs> Just start life flight now. Yeah. And I'm gonna, but the thing is, I'm going to shake like hell, but I'm going to get it done. Yep. Mm. That's what I did in my fire class. I'm going to shake like hell, but I'm going to get it done. Going. And it's just that I don't like all those factors because, oh, give me a saw to boot. That's just even worse. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, but I prefer to be on the ground. I'm with you. Yeah, but that's the thing is you have those extra abilities and strengths when you're on the ground doing the stuff there that other people don't have. I've sat back and watched you and mom work because I may not have necessarily known what I'm doing, but I've had that those strong female role models that taught me how to navigate those parts where at times the guys couldn't. Mm. I will say, yeah, I've gotten... I've gotten very good explanations from other female firefighters around because I did ask the question why to somebody and either they were too busy or they just, the way that they explained it didn't make sense. Or the answer is because. 
Right. <laughs> I hate that answer. Oh, my God. It drives me nuts. It's fine if you want to tell me. We'll talk about it later. Right. Just do it this way. Exactly. Uh, right. Uh, okay. Absolutely fine. fine. Time and place, that's okay. But if you don't give me a satisfactory answer, sometimes I've had to go over and be like, hey, why are they doing that thing? Okay, now I know that you're asking, so I'm going to give you the three-minute long answer instead of, I mean, to be fair, it's also my father. If I ask my father a question, it could be five words and that's it. No, you're not getting it. I need you to answer this question. Well, because we did this. Why did you do that? Because we did this. Oh, my God. So you walk over and I forget what her name is. There were a couple different women in your um, BLS class. Uh, Jean. Oh. Jean. I ran into Jean at a fire. Yeah. Uh, and she explained something out to me perfectly. It was wonderful with me just asking like a little, hey, what, what's going on over there? It was Danielle and Belle. Yes. Danielle, Belle, and Jean. Yes. I think we're the three. I think you so think too. That sounds right. Daniel was definitely in there. Gee, I just could remember Jean's uh, name for a minute. Uh, but there is, I think sometimes there is just a different aspect of how we explain things, different, different viewpoints, which comes from every different person. But sometimes there are questions that I, I want to go ask a woman about <laughs> because I'm going to get the right damn answer. <laughs> <laughs> and efficiently, that is what, oh my God. Uh-oh. Well, being a kid, I mean, I don't have any kids, but but being a kid, I know that I asked a lot of why, 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 which drove my dad absolutely nuts. Yep. Just a suggestion to you, maybe if you had those questions, I wouldn't ask your dad why. Maybe go to somebody else <laughs> oh, and you yeah. might get an answer. Because he's probably already had enough of you asking him why over the years. 28 years worth of it. That's yeah, why I never asked my dad. Before my dad passed, I, I never really asked him why either because I knew what the answer would be before I even asked him. So I just went to the next person. <laughs> Half the, time if I, half the time if I ask dad a question, the problem is he's not going to be efficient. He's going to take 25 minutes to tell me something. Oh, that's the engineer. That, yeah. that's what I was He'll give say. you a 100-page report. He and might exactly. give you five. You it's either going to be five words or it's going to be right. five minutes. It is one, one of the two <laughs> options. Yeah, he's an engineer, so he's going to start with Z and yep. work all the way yep. up to A. Right. All you need is A. Exactly. That's the same. I, but I'm more like Z, C, F, A. It's the engineer. See again. Squirrel. I've definitely, I've had to call him out a couple times and just go, what, what are you trying to say? Get to the point. Be efficient. And that's when you get your five word answers. Exactly. See, which is, it's funny talking about your dad. He's not here to defend himself. I know. I love it. Working with him a couple classes and to help him along, progressing it and stuff. I I love working with him. It's fun. But it's the same point as I'm on the other end of it. I'm like, Rob, stop. Like, I don't need your long explanation. (laughs) Just give me the short version. I don't have time for this shit. Just (laughs) cut it down. I'm a guy. Don't talk to me like your daughter. Just give me the, give me the three sentences. Oh, he's worse for dudes. Don't (laughs) worry. Holy moly. I don't know how Caleb does this. There's a couple sometimes. times I'm just waking me up when you're finished. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Give me the spark. My notes. guess is Caleb tunes out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. He yeah. has to. An 18 year old boy? Yeah, he tunes a lot out. <laughs> uh, poor dad. Now we're just really picking on him. He hates it. We will, we will cut him off in literally any story that he's telling because he is a rambling storyteller, which is great until you're like, We've been standing outside in negative 20 See, that was the best part about having him on the podcast is that <laughs> listening, you can press pause, you can press play, you can do whatever you want, you can speed past his part. I love you, Rob. Love you, yeah. Dad. Yeah. Sorry. You got quite a few of those traits. Oh, I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely right, but I went to school gap. for it, so I get paid to do it now. 
Mm-hmm. See, that's the English major. I, I loved I loved Rob in the instructor class because it was when we had to do our presentations. It was so thorough and in depth, and you just knew whatever the topic was when oh, when Rob was presenting. You were just going to be. You weren't going to have any questions by the time you were done. He was done because. He hit Precisely. Yep. And then training nights will turn into six hour affairs. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Which is great. Don't get me wrong. But. See, I did not get that from the engineering classes. I'm like, here's what you need to know for information. We're done. <laughs> yeah, it's simple. Put it in layman's terms. If you have more questions, ask me later. <laughs> Which is great because I've had a few people come up and ask silly things like fire scenes about sprinklers or whatever else in the building like yeah. it didn't work what do you so mean it didn't work it we've talked a lot about <laughs> what you girls have done but where do you what do you plan on doing from here like do you have a goal in mind what's your we'll start with you Gisette. What do, where do you want to go from here in your path in the public safety world that's an excellent question you get three minutes <laughs> i'm gonna keep it to 30 <laughs> seconds <laughs> um that is a great question because i'm trying to figure that out now i actually need to talk to your wife at some point i'm trying to figure out if i want to stay more on the volunteer side and just keep doing what I'm doing, you know, progress as long as I can, um, or focus more on the clinical side. I'm really liking working at the hospital and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, does that mean that I want to go more the route of going to medical school eventually? Or does that mean I want to go to nursing school? Does it mean apparently you can do freaking both and wear heels <laughs> oh, at the same time? Heck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, for right now, I just want to, I want to become, I want to get the basics down solidly and work out what's going to take what's worth that's not how i want to put that uh where i want to prioritize my time right now the hospital is winning out because the hospital is paying out a bunch of bonuses and it's my full-time job so that makes sense <laughs> um but yeah which one is it going to be ems or is it going to be fire don't know we'll find out well right now working on my health issues and hopefully getting back into it but right now it's health. Um, at this point, um, I did put in for the supervisor's position, although my primary partner got it, which I'm very happy for him, and I knew that was going to happen, but that's okay. Um, eventually, uh, he's only going to be there so long, so eventually that'll be my goal is to go around and try to do that again. Um, in the meantime, I'm trying to do as much training as I can. I'm finishing up my CPR instructor course. Um, I'll be certified that in that in just a week. Um, trying to do more on the training side because although fire and EMS are put out a lot, um, I've backed up on e backed off on EMS because of health issues and just because, like we've all been saying, some of the politics of it, it just got exhausting. Um, so I've started focusing more on the dispatch side and trying to get people into that because not as many people realize that dispatch needs people just as much as everybody else does. Mm. And it's been my primary job for 10 years. I mean, I love my job and want to show other people, hey, look, it's frustrating talking to somebody on the phone some days, but we still need the people to talk to them on the phone, too, before anybody else can go help them. So that's kind of been my goal at this point is, you know, getting more into that training aspect and teaching more people about what we do, whether it be CPR or dispatch or EMS, whatever it is. Doc? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Aren't you no. a doctor by now? I am not. You've been going to school for like 20 years. Hey, that's Do true. we even know how many oh. letters are after our name now? I, Ooh, that's all she's. The that's whole the alphabet. Game. That's the game. Who <laughs> has the most all letters. the alphabet? Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of alphabet, but I don't think I have all of it. 
Well, get moving. <laughs> School starts in two days, uh, three days again. Oh, jeez. Third semester. Thank you, God. <laughs> nice catch. Good catch. <laughs> um, no, as far as EMS goes, uh, I recently became the deputy of EMS in my town, and I got a huge learning curve. And at least I oh, know right. I have a huge learning mm-hmm. curve. Dude, it, yeah. Um, but I also had sense enough to um, pick a solid captain mm. who has been an EMS leader in the past who had stepped back, who is good backup. And I also have a solid lieutenant who's EMS leadership someplace else. Mm. So I've got some good, like, immediate backup. Um, plus, I have multiple people in the region that I can pick up the phone and go, hey, I need an opinion, or how did you do this? Um, in fact, I've done that with Brian. And um, uh, that advice worked, by the way. Very. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just want to keep doing that. And I got a bunch of stuff to try to fix with rescue that it's just going to take time because of the way... EMS and fire is right now and nobody wants to play because of COVID and nobody wants to pay anybody what they should be paid and so I'm just trying to work on that. Well they do but it's all private services, private companies. Mm. Just sucking our EMS pool up. Yeah and I have to admit I've been giggling a little bit at all of the EMS providers I know that were like I'm never going to be a nurse. I'm, I'm going to be a medic for life and they're all going to nursing school. Mm. Kind of makes me laugh a little bit. <laughs> well, that, uh, that program started up where you can bridge from paramedic to nurse now. Mm. Right, yeah. And so. I think they're going to be good at it, but I think some of them are going to get a rude awakening that it's when you're a floor nurse, you're back to being mother may I. Mm. It's not as protocol-driven as EMS. Right. Um, ER nurses, I think, are a little bit different, although I haven't worked full-time in an ER at all as an RN. So I do get to work some in an ER, but it's not as an RN. It's interesting. Plus, an EMS, you have them for like a half an hour and then you just go, yours. Have fun. (laughs) There is something to be said for that end. I love it. I'm like, look, I gave them to you with a blood pressure and a pulse. (laughs) What you did after that is all (laughs) your problem. Anita, here you go. FYI, here's his leg. (laughs) Pulse on transfer. (laughs) And that is one of the funny things with my other job is that I get to work with EMS a lot. So it's actually funny because I've realized how many people I know in the region from having been in EMS as long as I have. Like I've seen classmates from medic school that are working like down East that bring in a patient. And I'm like, Oh my God, hi. <laughs> oh wait, I have to do my job. Love to chat. But you know, I've had that happen. Carl and I got a selfie. Remember? Yep. COVID selfie. Yep. Um, Yeah, so it can be interesting playing both sides of it. But the flip to that is, like, I know exactly what you want when you walk into a trauma bay. I can tell you exactly what I want to hear as a provider working Mm. in that trauma bay, what I want to know from EMS, and what is, cool, thanks for telling me, but I really don't care right right Right. this very minute. I wanted to know that in an hour. Right. I'm not going to slam you for telling me. But it's one of those things that I'm going to be like, if you didn't tell me that, okay, I fig- mm. I'll figure it out when I get a chance. I just hope she doesn't start working for a funeral home because she's done every other part of the spectrum <laughs> from birth all the way up through. If she starts working for a funeral home, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Divorce papers are hitting the table. You're no fun. 
Did you lose that somewhere? She's like, uh, well, I have something to tell you, Eric. <laughs> I was actually bring thinking, this up well, in the car ride. I have a friend that grew anywhere. up in a, in a funeral home. I bet I could if I wanted to. But Challenge accepted. Right. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> Remember how we were just saying earlier about yeah, not dude. putting right. that big red button in front of something? <laughs> nice job, Cartman. <laughs> no, don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. So, being a female podcast today, did you guys have anything that you wanted to talk about specifically? We've kind of just been rambling on, but was there anything that you really wanted to hit while we were here? Or did we? Any clothes? Did we hit everything? Yeah, any clothing thoughts? We're approaching a two-hour mark. Nice. Yeah. Crush it. Um, long-winded, apparently. <laughs> this is our first somebody, part of the discussion. I'm not going to name names, but... <laughs> we answered two of the questions I had written down already, so... Awesome. Don't give me that look. Uh, maybe... Oh, there was another one. This is why we need scratch paper. Um, is there anything... We kind of talked about this the last time that my dad and, here, and I were here. But is there anything that you can call out specifically that you think would help bring younger females into fire and EMS was there anything specifically I mean obviously we came from family backgrounds so it was kind of easier for us because we just grew up seeing it but is there anything that you've done or heard or seen to help bring more women into this I think it's just about being a, trying to be a good role model when you're out in the community mm-hmm. um, and I can tell you years ago my partner and I, my EMS partner and I were at a training and uh, we were burning a camp down because they were burning it down and going to rebuild the way we do around here. <laughs> and, um, used to. Oh. No, well, no yeah. fun. Okay, you can't really anymore. Yeah, exactly. But this is probably 15 years ago now. Mm. Um, and something that struck me, we did our evolution. We came out and took our helmet, you know, took our masks and helmets and hoods off and there was a mom there with three little kids that were like just sitting watching us burn and watching us train and when we pulled our hoods off and like the ponytails fell out Mm -hmm. one of the little girls I will never forget this went mom look it's girls (laughs) and it made us both laugh but at the same time we made a point of going and chatting with them when we had a minute because I mean she was probably eight years five eight years old little and it just right, cracked. But now that's a whole new thing. She's now seen that exactly. a woman was doing this. Exactly. And it's we, an opportunity. We made a point of going and talking to them once we didn't, you know, once we were out of our gear and right. slightly less stinky. <laughs> um, and it just really struck me, and I've never forgotten that. And um, I, I think that's a big part is you've got to take advantage of the opportunities as a female to promote the fact that we work in these fields. I mean, mom and I used to go to a vocational school every year for years to talk to their medical assistant class Mm. and show them that it's not just guys that do these jobs. And when they asked you the questions and the teacher would give the warning every year, they are blunt, they are direct. (laughs) And if you're going to take offense to anything, leave the room now. (laughs) I apologize when I began. We both did. (laughs) I apologize if I offend you, but if you're going to ask me a question, I'm going to answer it. And I'm going to answer it truthfully. Yeah. And that's the and thing. if you don't want the answer, don't ask the question. You can't. Amen. Yes, to an extent, you kind of have to buffer things. But you can't just do the, well, they're kids, even though, you know, these are mostly junior and senior in high school. 
you can't sugarcoat everything. You have to go, look, no, this is the job. This honest. is, no. yeah, this is what we do. You don't I have mean, to necessarily be completely brutally honest. Right. <laughs> right. But you got to be honest. Yeah. But I also think it, it uh, like when we do uh, like public safety in the schools and stuff like that, is having your females there. Mm-hmm. So you show the diversity. And it shows that, shows the little girls that, yes, I can be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can be a paramedic. Yes, I can do this job. Well, one of the things, for a while, one of the towns I used to work with, this is going back a while, probably that time span when I had worked on a regular and had that regular EMS partner, um, probably 90% of the providers for that town were female. Every single per diem medic at that time was a female. Hmm. Um, It's not like that anymore. Everybody has rearranged and moved on in life and whatever. But um, it was kind of a source of pride for us. That you know, yeah, every awesome. single person on this truck is female. Did you and guys call yourself the Broad Squad? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was just Shauna and I. Uh, but one thing we did do, um, and it was more so that we could find each other quickly. But we had people look at us. We all decided to get pink hoods. Oh. And like, if you started working for us. If you wanted a pink hood, we'd get you one. You weren't mm-hmm. issued a pink hood by the department. Right. But, but we had people be like, it, you're wearing a pink, why are all the women wearing pink hoods? Do they make you wear pink hoods? No, it was a source of pride, and it was also an easier way to find each other on the fireground. Valid. <laughs> Since we all look alike in turnout gear. <laughs> um, and I actually still have that pink hood and still wear it, and a couple of the others do too, even though we don't work together anymore. That's but, awesome. Yeah, well, that's the when I started dispatching, it was the same thing. All of us were female in that department, except for the supervisor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he's supervising an entire group of women. I kind of feel bad for him, but, you know. Ooh, so do I. That must have been rough. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he left and became a cop instead. <laughs> that sounds about right. Our shift was seven, and I was the only male. For, nice. uh, I'd say four pushing five years. Yeah. You got good snacks, though, didn't you? Did you get tired of the ladies' locker room? <laughs> it was. <laughs> was there a lot of knitting and crochet? No. All right. No, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting my Wow, we actually made them speechless. You can do it once in a while. He's impressive. only being speechless because he's being recorded. Yeah. True. When the, when the recording gets turned off, it'll come out of his mouth. Just call it out, Chief. That's that button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Ted, you want to call think? it? I think that's it. We've covered everything we uh, we wanted to cover, and thanks for coming in. Thanks for uh, chatting with us. I think we, I mean, damn, we got two hours worth of content, so. Yeah, if we don't get anything out of that. two hours, then. Oh, no, he doesn't edit anymore. He Ugh. used to. We might oh, have to part. I was going to say, this might be part one, part two. No. Well, the thing oh, is, is what I want to say is, again, I, I've never gotten to work with you, but I've gotten to work with both of these guys, and I'm sure you're right up there with it. But it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure working with some of these ladies out there. They're awesome. They are phenomenal in their fields. Not saying that the guys aren't also, too, because, again, I've met some great, great people yeah. and made a lot of great friends and a lot of great family members. And it's a thankful thing. This is a great business to be in. And it's a great family to be part of. And when they say there's a brotherhood, it's true. There is a true brotherhood. Mm -hmm. 
and that's a term. It's a brother and sister. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. But, you know, yes. right. we say it again. Yeah. But we're all family. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. Mm-hmm.